Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. What happened to the building? This has been a tragic night. Search and rescue teams working around the clock. The numbers uh, will continue to update you as as we have them. We continue to pray for some miracles. Derek Michael Chauvin. Sentenced for the murder of George Floyd. Cities embracing for any possible reaction. The vice president making a trip to the border. I've said I'm going to the border. A new Delta Plus variant. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is Friday. News and Views for your uh, upcoming weekend. Former Minnesota police officer Derek Chauvin has received a 270-month, 22-year, six-months prison sentence for second-degree unintentional murder in the death of George Floyd from last summer. Minnesota District Court Judge Peter Cahill said in a 22-page sentencing memorandum that he would explain his reasoning on the sentence in greater detail in writing. He didn't verbalize it. He said, go read it. He added that the sentence was not motivated by public opinion, emotion, or sympathy and granted Chauvin credit for 199 days in time already served. Quote, I want to acknowledge the deep and tremendous pain that all the families are feeling, especially for the Floyd family, Cahill said. You have our sympathies, and I acknowledge and hear the pain you are feeling. I acknowledge the pain not only of those in this courtroom, but the Floyd family outside the courtroom and many other members of the community. The judge had been expected to hand down a sentence between 20 and 25 years. He split the difference with a maximum of 40 years and an average sentence for similar cases around 12.5 years. Floyd's brothers asked the court for the maximum punishment of 40 years. Prosecutors, uh, as expected, asked for 30. Before sentencing, Floyd's brothers read impact statements. Chauvin spoke briefly, expressing condolences to the Floyd family. Uh, It will be interesting to see whether or not uh, there is a uh, reaction of violence I, I don't know. I, ho- I hope not. I pray not. But uh, I would not be su- surprised if there was. We'll see. You'll find out tonight. Won't take long. Fox News and other media outlets are reporting on that situation down in uh, the Miami area, the Surfside area of Florida. Search and rescue operations continue there following the collapse of the Champlain Tower South Condo Complex Thursday morning. Now they're saying 159 people are unaccounted for and the death numbers are up to four people as a result of the collapse. Crews continue to search for any survivors who may be trapped beneath the wreckage. They uh, said there was about 130 firefighters at the scene. They're hearing tapping noises, but it's not clear if those are human-made noises or simply the sound of rumbling, um, shifting rubble. They'll continue to uh, search as long as they can. The problem is it's a house of cards, and uh, they have to be very careful that the firefighters don't become entrapped. And they also have to be very careful that there's not a further collapse if someone is trapped inside, that they're not completely crushed. Um, There was a situation in a uh, collapsed building in uh, Haiti, where a man once survived for two weeks after the building came down. Uh, That was with someone uh, being able to get water to him after several days, however. 
Well, that's the big deal is oxygen and water, obviously. So say a prayer for those folks. Uh, it is a uh, bleak-looking situation. We'll just leave it at that. News and observers reporting Cousin Eddie, a.k.a. Joe Biden, was in Raleigh yesterday. Get ready with uh, cut four, Clark. So he was in Raleigh pushing the vaccine, and he made a very interesting comment as to why so few African Americans were not getting the vaccination. And what they did was we had one doctor does nothing but deal with equity, access for people. There's a reason why it's been harder to get African Americans initially to get vaccinated, because they used to be an experimented on, the Tuskegee Airmen and others. People have memories. People have long memories. Interesting that Joe would point to Tuskegee, the 1930s. And it's true, they did. They experimented on black men. They actually said they were getting health care and uh, they were actually inflicting them with syphilis. Uh, yeah, just unbelievable. But what Joe didn't use as an example as to why blacks might not trust the government. You don't have to go back to Tuskegee in the 1930s. You can go to any inner city American city today. And the Democrats' favorite charity is right there, Planned Parenthood. Do you realize that while blacks only account for approximately 13% of the population in the United States, somewhere between 13 and 15%, black babies that are being murdered through abortion is three times higher than white babies through Planned Parenthood? And who is leading the charge demanding, demanding that we continue funding Planned Parenthood is Joe Biden and their Democrat allies. Maybe, Joe, if they don't trust the government, that's why. Democrats, including Cooper, have heralded the Biden administration saying it's undeniable that the president's leadership has gotten the pandemic under control. (laughs) Bobby Richardson, chair of the North Carolina Democratic Party, said in the statement that he's gotten North Carolina back on track. The number of daily vaccinations nationwide was steadily increasing when Joe Biden took office on January 20th. At the time, the U.S. was reporting a seven-day average of roughly 900,000 new shots administered each day. In the first three months, the Biden administration, the seven-day average of the daily vaccinations nearly tripled. Uh, I got news for you. They were on their way to tripling anyway. And if it wasn't for the Trump administration and their Operation Warp Speed, there wouldn't have been a vaccination. I mean, you can compare the two presidencies. Because, well, he was vice president under Obama. But um, in previous flu epidemics, no, they they didn't do too well. Michael Watley, North Carolina chair, said this is another example of his brand of uh, performative politics. If it wasn't for the Trump administration, there would not be a vaccination. Do you honestly think the Joe Biden administration, look, they wouldn't have gone to the private sector. They would have just dumped, well, an endless amount of money and it would have gone to his cronies and nothing would have been accomplished. Roy Cooper, speaking of abortion, 
Roy Cooper has vetoed a bill to ban abortions based on an unborn child's race or the presence of Down syndrome. It is his second veto in a week. It's his third veto overall. Again, Roy Cooper has vetoed more bills than every other governor combined. Quote, this bill, this is Roy speaking, this bill gives the government control over what happens and what is said in the exam room between a woman and her doctor at a time she faces one of the most difficult decisions in her life, Cooper said in a prepared statement tied to the veto. Quote, this bill is unconstitutional and it damages the doctor-patient relationship with an unprecedented government intrusion. So let me get this straight, Gov. So if a woman and her doctor say, I want to end this life because I don't think it's the right race that I want, you're okay with that. I think that's called eugenics. I think you and Margaret Sanger would have made a lovely couple. Gov, is the baby in the womb a human being or is it not? Yeah, it is. So you're saying it is unconstitutional for a government to intercede and say, you cannot kill this baby in the womb because you don't like its race. I think that's what you're saying. The veto prompted an immediate response from Senator Amy Cayley. With a stroke of the pen, Governor Cooper just told North Carolinians it's okay to discriminate based on race or disability as long as it's in the womb. Yeah, you're right. This bill, simply put, is an end to eugenics. It shouldn't be controversial to protect an unborn child with Down syndrome, but Governor Cooper proves once again that he's unwilling to stand up for North Carolinians when his left-wing donors demand his loyalty. Bingo. Well said. House Bill 453 cleared the General Assembly with 67 to 42 vote in the House, 27 to 20 vote in the Senate to override Cooper's veto. Both chambers would need yes votes from three-fifths of its members present and voting. That means a United Republican caucus would need at least three House Democrats and two Democrat senators to support the measure if every legislator votes on the veto override. Six Democrats supported HB 453 in the House. No Democratic senators voted for the measure, but two Democrats were absent during the initial vote. One of them, Dom Davis, out of Greene County, voted with Republicans in the 2019 to override a Cooper veto on a different abortion-related bill. There's no word yet on whether lawmakers will attempt to override the veto of either HB 453 or Senate Bill 43. To label a person's decision to obtain a, an abortion as eugenics, as this bill does, is offensive, irresponsible, and wraps the painful legacy of eugenics movement in North Carolina, I'm sorry, and warps the painful legacy of the eugenics movement in North Carolina and disrespects the trauma endured by real victims of forced sterilization, said Natalie Murdoch, a Democrat from Durham, and uh, she said that in opposition to this bill. Lady, you're doing all you can to keep the legacy of eugenics alive. Because voting against this bill is exactly what you were doing. House Speaker Tim Moore also released a statement after Cooper's veto. Gender, race, and disability are protected classes in most other contexts, Moore wrote. Why should we allow the unborn to be discriminated against for these same traits? The message sent by this veto 
is that some human life is more valuable than others based on immutable characteristics. Yeah. You know, there is going to come a day, I I really do believe this, as as science and uh, we learn more, uh, and we already know this. I mean, it's not not coming a day. We already know this, but there will come a day when people realize that these are human beings. (laughs) Just had another grandson two weeks ago, little guy. You know, he is— he was dependent on his mom when he was in the womb. He's just as dependent on his mom right now. He's on his mom and dad. If they're not there, you know, he, he would not have a, a good outcome. The idea that we can take the life of one in the womb because they can't speak for themselves, I mean, that's, that's basically what we're saying. Is this a human being or is it not? And for Cooper to act like, oh, this is unconstitutional to interfere with the doctor and, and, the, and the mother, this is unbelievable that you would say this. So a doctor and a mother on their own can say, we're going to take the life of this baby because we don't like its race. That's what you're saying, Cooper. Wow. We've got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. News and Views continues right after this. This 4th of July, we'll begin our summer of freedom. We get back to doing the things we love, like spending trillions and trillions of dollars and getting together with family and friends. We'll celebrate our independence from this virus and from the borders. I said I would go to the border, but why bother? It's the summer of freedom. Be prepared. We'll build back better or for worse. With Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Now back to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht and Benny Hardy. Welcome back in, and we will get to that uh, border story in just a moment. First, taking a look at your weather forecast for the weekend. Tonight, a chance of showers more or less in the early part of the evening. Chance of rain, 30%. Low tonight, around 70 degrees. Tomorrow, lots of sunshine, high around 86, although there's a chance of a passing shower. Tomorrow night, a chance of showers and thunderstorms, a low around 69. Chance of rain tomorrow night, 40%. Sunday, nice, 88 degrees and lots of sunshine. Weather brought to you by our friends at University PC Care. They've been Eastern North Carolina's go-to IT experts for quite a while now. Unfortunately, most organizations simply react to IT issues after the damage is done. This is known as the break-fix cycle in the tech service industry. Quick example, you show up to work, your computer's down, you submit a repair ticket, a tech shows up or remotes it in to try to fix it. You're down, losing productivity, perhaps even losing files. University PC Care Services Division has a better way, a proactive solution called BizCare. BizCare tech support and cybersecurity plans are always on duty, staying ahead of potential problems, keeping you up and running with less downtime and much safer from threats like ransomware. Call William at 394-8572 to schedule a free BizCare consultation or go to universitypccare.com to learn more. Uh, Just looking at a story out of Forbes that came out this afternoon, 
Americans are now more likely to be socially liberal than conservative for the first time since Gallup started polling the question in 2001. The pollster reported Thursday reflecting a broader trend of Americans becoming increasing liberal on social issues over the past decade, though a far higher share of Americans still hold fiscally conservative views. According to Gallup's poll, which was conducted in May, over 1,000 U.S. adults, 34% of adults will now identify as socially liberal and 30% as socially conservative, though the largest share of respondents, 35%, hold moderate views. While there have been a few times in the past in which an equal share of respondents would have held socially liberal and conservative views in 2015 um, and 2018, typically more have identified as conservative with 36% identifying as conservative in 2015 versus 2018 as liberal. You know, I, I really—this uh, is interesting, but uh, when you consider that there's um, over 330 million people in the United States and they polled 1,000 people, and this has just basically changed a percentage point or two, I wouldn't be too alarmed over that. So the uh, vice president went to the border finally today— and um, she was asked a question when she got there by uh, Peter Ducey, and um, basically wanting to know um, why it has taken her this long to get to the border. You know, a lot of people are now, and, and she's fighting against this. You know, Donald Trump, the fact that he announced a week ago that he was going to go to the border even though Kamala Harris has never been to the border. He was, uh, that, that had nothing to do with the fact that she finally got down there today to El Paso. So um, she, she sort of bristled at uh, this reporter during her first trip to the border as the administration's point person claiming that this is not her first trip to the border, which is rather interesting because you might want to remember back to what she said about a month ago when Lester Holt asked her about not going to the border. This is cut one. Right now is the right time to make your first trip to the border. Well, it's not my first trip. I've been to the border many times. The important aspect of this visit is leading this visit after the work that we did in Guatemala and Mexico. Because as I've long said, I said back in March I was going to come to the border, so this is not a new plan. But the reality of it is that we have to deal with causes and we have to deal with the effects. So being in Guatemala, being in Mexico, talking with Mexico as a partner, frankly, on the issue, was about addressing the causes. And then coming to the border at the, at the advice and, the, and actually the, the invitation of the congresswoman uh, is about looking at the effects of what we have seen happening in Central America. And um, so I'm glad to be here. It was always the plan to come here. And I think we're going to have a good and productive day. Well, it's not my first trip. I've been to the border many times. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. And I haven't been to Europe. And I mean, I don't don't understand the point that you're making. Yeah. (laughs) Kamala, (laughs) you're an idiot. And and what is the gollop? I mean, the, the, the rambling statements that she and Joe Biden make are just mind boggling. Where's the cause and effect that we got in here? Wow. So, um, basically, it was a lot of nothing. A lot of nothing. 
So yesterday, cut three, get ready for cut three. Yesterday, this was my initial quick response to the news that there was a bipartisan agreement to an infrastructure deal. Here's what I said. Here's the thing. When there's give and take in these things, the Republicans always get screwed. And you're going to have to find out what the fine print says. But at the end of the day, the Republicans and the taxpayers will get screwed. It's yeah. just that simple. It always happens that way. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to strain myself. I hope I don't pull anything patting myself on the back. But guess what? The Republicans and the taxpayers got screwed. Senator Lindsey Graham could not contain himself after the White House announced a slight, alter- a slight alteration in the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Graham said it made the GOP look like blanking idiots. He dropped the F-bomb. Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chucky Schumer informed the Republicans that if they want that infrastructure deal, they're going to have to pass the rest of Biden's multi-trillion dollar agenda. Quote, I expect that in coming months this summer, before the fiscal year is over, that we will have voted on this bill, the infrastructure bill, as well as voted on the budget resolution. But if only one comes to me, this is the only one that comes to me. I'm not signing it. It's in tandem, Biden told reporters at the White House. Um, It is classic bait and switch. So Biden says, okay, we're going to do we're going to deal with them separately. We'll deal with them separately. No, you're not. Okay, it's two different votes, but no, you're not. You're you're dealing. You're saying, I will not sign the one without the other. Now, I think they think they've got everybody over a barrel. I think they're wrong. I hope they're wrong. Uh, most politicians, the the New York uh, or the Wall Street Journal, is saying most politicians would at least wait. Uh, a week or two before they pulled the double cross. <laughs> Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chucky Schumer did it the same day. I, I mean, it, it, this is unbelievable. This is remarkably bad faith, even for Washington, the Wall Street Journal reported. Thursday's comments make clear this exercise isn't bipartisan at all. The Pelosi-Biden political goal is to use the Senate deal as leverage to jam through the rest of their progressive wish list. They said this has been extremely well played by Biden, as well as truly trapped Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. They have staked their electoral fortunes on the notion of bipartisanship, angering their colleagues and enraging the radical left. I guess if you admire out-and-out liars, then you could say Biden played this well. I mean, the guy's a liar. And, I mean, I I know that's not any earth-shaking new news out of Washington, that politicians are liars. But uh, it's rather magnified. I I would hope that Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema would say, you ain't screwing us. We're we're not going to... uh, play your games. I've got more faith in Kristen Cinema than I do in Joe Manchin. This is what Joe said. They have my word. I will stick to what we've proposed 
and they've given me they've given me their word as well. He earlier claimed, a lot of us go back a long way where we're used to doing one thing, give each other our word, and that's the end. Except in this case, it wasn't the end. <laughs> Biden just, no, 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 I'm not signing it unless you give me my way. So Senate Republicans, um, you know, I, I think that somehow the Democrats think, okay, the American people really want this infrastructure bill. And now we have the Republicans over a barrel. We have Joe Manchin over a barrel. We have Christian Cinema over a barrel. I don't think they do. And I hope that the Republicans and those two Democrats would stick to their guns. And if any kind of reconciliation, any kind of reconciliation bill comes up, that they say, no, you're a liar. And then they need to come out. They, you know, this is this is why you know, it's it's amazing to me that the, the Donald Trump would come out and and look at this situation and tell Joe Biden to his face that you are a liar. And you know what? The American people, the populace, they they want that. They want a president that plays hardball. And yet we have all these. Rhinos and establishment Republicans say, oh, that's not presidential. Is it presidential that Joe Biden is a liar? That he is, I mean, he's he's the liar, but if Donald Trump were to call him a liar, we'd have, oh, that's not presidential. Could I I, I liked that Donald Trump played hardball. We need a president, a conservative president, that will play hardball with these people. Now, Mitch McConnell expressed some doubt. He expressed that, okay, bait and switch might be around the corner. But will he come out? Or will he say, well, my good friend from across the aisle. Your good friend across the aisle, Chucky Schumer's a liar. Nancy Pelosi's a liar. Joe Biden is a liar. Unbelievable. Let's take another time out, shall we? 561-8255. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. So we were talking a few minutes ago about uh, Kamala Harris finally making it down to the border. Uh, Interestingly, even though that area, El Paso, is fairly heavy on the Democrat side, most of the people that were there to uh, greet, put that in quotation marks, greet Kamala Harris were uh, Republicans. And (laughs) some of the signs they were holding, Kamala, you know Trump won. Another sign, how many little girls need to be raped for this to be a crisis? Because she's told us over and over again, there's no crisis here. The scene is similar to one when protesters in Guatemala City voiced their opposition to Harris when she visited there during her trip uh, a couple of months ago. Her- or Probably a month ago. Harris told reporters when she landed in El, Pas- El Paso that it was always the plan to be at the border town. Trump had nothing to do with it. Five six one eight two five five. Radio 
Hey, Barbie. Hi, how are you, Tom? I'm doing well. Good to hear from you. Thank you. Yes, I, I called in about the school board meeting in Onslow County. Yes, ma'am. And I'm, I'm asking your listeners if they would please, 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 there's a, a, a meeting on Tuesday the 29th of June, and um, I would, I'm er, encouraging, urging people to go to that meeting. If they can talk, uh, write, write a little bit down to get up there and speak, that would be wonderful. If they can't, just to support the people that are going up there to speak about CRT, Unmasking Our Children. And um, it is called something else, um, CRT. They change, they're changing their, their narrative, their wording, and it's called Transformative Social Emotional Learning. So they, they're trying to use different words oh, yeah. to get the same message oh, yeah. out. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know? That, that is typical uh, progressive uh, tactics. Uh, they'll, I mean, and, and, you know, the very fact that, okay, they were liberal, then they're progressive. Now they're liberal again. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll change in the wind. Now this is for the Onslow County school board. That is correct. And where is the meeting going to take place? Oh, geez. (laughs) They can look it up. It's in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville, Onslow County school board in Jacksonville, Tuesday, June 29th. Yeah. I I Go ahead. They want to sign up speak they have to be there at six o'clock to sign up to speak and seriously it doesn't have to be five minutes even if they could just jot down a couple of things the more speakers they have there the more presence that is shown that people are concerned about their children with crt and with unmasking our children the better and i know um the senate just passed something regarding unmasking our children um of course if super doesn't sign it um, that I'm hoping they would o- try and override that, but um, at least they're, they're aware of the situation. Yes. And listen, again, we talked about this yesterday. I heard Henry talking about it this morning. Mecklenburg County Schools spent $25,000 on CRT training just last week. And uh-huh. it's that's that's only a couple hours away from Jacksonville. I mean, it's it. This is this is in our state. So uh, parents, and, and I, I would encourage the other counties, find out when your school board is going to meet and make, don't wait till it's there and you got to fight it. Make your thoughts right. known now. Barbie, thanks Correct. for the heads up. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Um, Austin Mayor Steve Adler and the City Council of Austin, Texas, including Council Member Greg Cesar, defunded the city's police in the name of racial justice and equality. And the highest murders, the highest number of murders to ever take place in that city happened in 2020 with 47. Uh, So we're basically halfway through the year. And in 2021, we're already at 41. So uh, it would be pretty easy to predict that they're going to set another record this year. And again, they did this in the name of racial justice and equity. Guess who the majority of the people who have been killed are? Minorities. Minorities. The, uh, one of these uh, shootings was done by a gang member in uh, a town about 70 miles away, came into Austin from Colleen. Uh, a, a, a person, a young man by the name of uh, DeAndre White, 
He is now in custody. And the district attorney there. Now, this guy has came in and uh, it was listed as a mass shooting. One man, a tourist, was killed in the crossfire. Others were shot and injured. And the county district attorney there said that they're going to be char- that this guy's going to be charged with aggravated assault. <laughs> he's a murderer and he's going to be charged with aggravated assault. Hmm. Uh, apparently, and uh, apparently down there, these district attorneys are doing everything they can to undermine the police. But the, who's, who's going to get blamed for this? The police will get blamed that they're not doing their job right. Portland police, this just happened yesterday. In Portland, the police bureau tried to fend off an angry mob of rioters yesterday because police had shot an individual and there was a riot brewing. So the police immediately went on a big PR campaign, don't riot, because the guy we shot is white. There is erroneous information being circulated on social media regarding in the officer-involved shooting in the Lloyd District. We can confirm that the subject involved is an adult and he's a white male. No one else was injured. So don't riot. The guy was white. By the way, did you see earlier this week, and if, if you look up the word chutzpah, you might find this story of defunding the police from earlier this week. The pants on fire moment came in response to a question from Peter Ducey, who asked about Biden's new comprehensive strategy to combat violent crime and gun violence that includes a whole-of-government approach to hamper the flow of firearms, provide federal support for local law enforcement, and expand summer programming and job opportunities for young people. Cut two. Some criminal who has been committing crimes with limited interruption or interference from police for the last couple weeks or months is going to stop this easy life of crime if they have a summer job. Well, I think the president believes that we shouldn't and we shouldn't allow access to guns to those criminals who are currently illegally buying them from some dealers across the country. And part of his announcement is taking steps to do exactly that. But part of his announcement is also ensuring there's specific guidance to uh, communities across the country to ensure that they have funding to get more community police around the country, something that was supported by the American Jobs Plan uh, that was supported that was voted into law by Democrats just a couple of months ago. Some might say that the other party was for defunding the police. I'll let others say that, but that's a piece. Yeah, you heard that right. (laughs) Jen Psaki has come out and said in a White House press briefing that it was the other side. It was the Republicans that were for defunding the police. Are are the American people that stupid? Although I will say this, you watch. The mainstream media very well might run with this and say, oh, yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's been verified. Now the Jen Psaki said it, it's been verified. It was the Republicans that were for defunding the police. Donald Trump and these Trump supporters are pushing the false narrative that the Democrats were for defunding the police. You can't make this poop up. 
<laughs> yeah, wow. So don't be surprised that CNN and MSNBC will actually, uh, and their ilk, will actually run this narrative for Jen. I'll circle back on that one. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Um, and again, I was talking about this earlier, but look, th- there will come a day when abortion will be seen for what it is, murder, and the vast majority of Americans will one day find abortion repugnant. And when that day comes, mark my words, I I hope I live long enough to see this. Mark my words, when that day comes, Democrats and the mainstream media will be pushing the talking point that the Democrats were against abortion and it was those nasty Republicans who made us do it. I mean, can, can you believe that Jen Psaki would come out and say what she said? That it's the Republicans that were for defunding the police? Wow. A few months ago, Mayor Muriel Bowser, D.C. mayor, declared that gun violence is a public health crisis. Weeks later, she clumped her city's pervasive gun violence with the COVID-19 pandemic, saying this in a statement, quote, my communities, I'm sorry, many communities across the nation, including D.C., continued to be burdened by two simultaneous public health emergencies. Maybe it's not so much COVID-19, Muriel, as it is a leadership problem. I mean, D.C. doesn't exactly have a stellar track record when it comes to electing city officials. I mean, we all remember Marion Barry, rapist, cocaine user, felon, and then reelected to the mayor of Washington, D.C. Uh, not your finest moment, D.C. But <laughs> maybe we can top that as homicides hit a record high. The city has elected, this is out of Judicial Watch, the city of Washington, D.C. has elected a convicted murderer to public office in a unique election featuring all inmate candidates. The freshly elected public official is by a guy by the name of Joel Kasten. He's been in prison for 26 years. He's currently incarcerated in the D.C. uh, jail. Uh, He's convicted for first-degree murder. So D.C., in their brilliance, decided that they were going to elect a convicted felon's vote. And uh, now they can run. Now, it's an advisory neighborhood commission. But uh, he'll be able to work from prison. He'll be given a laptop. He, he can work eight hours a day on at his new job. Uh, he and his buddies in prison there. Uh, th- this is unbelievable. I, I mean, when... The old adage, the inmates are in charge of the asylum. (laughs) Go up to D.C. Oh, they're in charge of the asylum, all right. Unbelievable. Stay with us. More news and views coming right up. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Jason Whitlock is an American sports journalist. He's uh, worked for the Kansas City Star, AOL Sports, Fox News, Fox Sports, and uh, he has written an open letter to black America. 
You'll find this on our website, ENC News and Views. And uh, I don't have time to read the whole thing for you, but it's excellent. And uh, he is right on. I'll just briefly, parts of this. Dear black people, we're being lied to, set up. The mainstream media, Democratic politicians, social justice activists, and perhaps even your church pastor have led you to believe America is in the midst of a racial conflict similar to the Civil War and the civil rights movements. They've pitted us against Proud Boys, KKK, militia groups, Trump supporters in a made-for-TV race war. Evidence of this massive wave of the 1920s-style bigotry amounts to three things. One, Republicans, all voters, to show a government-issued ID. Two, on January 6th, unarmed Trump supporters crashed the Capitol, took pictures inside Nancy's office. Three, across the nation, police kill on average 250 black men and 450 white men per year. Oh, I almost forgot. There's a fourth piece of evidence. Colin Kaepernick failed to land a job as a starting quarterback. It's a setup. We're being used as decoys and distractions in a war that has nothing to do with race. America has been the world's leader in racial progress and fairness. The mainstream media are not allowed to explain this to you. Advertisers, a.k.a. major corporations, will no longer support media outlets that back our current democratic and capitalistic systems of governance. You say, what about Fox News? Turn it on. It's filled with a bunch of my pillow and wounded uh, soldier commercials. America's big global corporations, the one looking to improve their market share in China, they are not financially supporting Fox News. The most popular voices at Fox News dislike China. You might be wondering why Oprah Winfrey or LeBron James or some other black celebrity isn't telling you what I'm telling you. By the way, Jason Whitlock, if you're not familiar with him, is a black and a black man. Um, they're global elites, he says. The reset won't hurt them or their loved ones. Communism favors wealthy elites far more than capitalism and democracy do. Oprah, LeBron, and uber-wealthy black tokens will thrive under socialism and communism. Why won't you favor white cable newsmen? Why won't your favorite white cable newsmen or newswomen tell you what I'm telling you? Rachel Maddow, Anderson Cooper, Joe Scarborough, aren't they our allies? No, they're not. They're political lobbyists working on behalf of the corporations. I don't play for a political team, Jason says. I never voted. I go wherever I believe I can speak. I follow. I write the truth. I believe the truth. And most of all, I believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. I'm not saying any of this because there's a big paycheck for me espousing my views. My critics will tell you, oh, Jason is a sellout. He hates black people. That's laughable. It's part of the deception. There's a reason black and brown people across the globe fight to get into this country and excel when they do. They love America and the, the fruit it produces. Jason Whitlock. Go read the entire letter. It's on our news uh, uh, website, encnewsandviews.com. Hey, listen, have a great weekend. We'll do it again on Monday. See you at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.